honor of introducing Jamar, if you'll come on up. Jamar Brown King. So I had I got to have a great conversation with Jamar recently, um, and he you might have noticed him. He and his family have started attending Vintage, um, and Steve invited him to speak today. So we're super excited to have him. A little bit about Jamar. He and his wife Kinsey, who's right down here on the front row. Yes, clap for her. And they have a beautiful daughter, Wonder, as well, which you might have seen. They're just the most gorgeous family. I mean, I look at them, I'm like, God, if you can do that, why did you not do that with all of us? You know, like, geez, he showed his cards with them, but I know, it's so true. But they're awesome. Jamar is an entrepreneur. Um, they, he and uh, Kinsey own a studio called Kaya Studios, which is a creative space in Woodstock where other creatives come and do photo shoots and video shoots and things in their space, which is awesome. They actually recently moved from California to L.A., um, from L.A. to here, to Atlanta, and uh, Jamar had been serving for 17 years at Mosaic Church under Erwin uh, McManus, which some of you all know from your um, Bethel trip out there a couple years ago. Um, fun fact about Jamar, he was born in Japan. It's interesting. So that's awesome. <laughs> they were thinking at the minute you walked up, but they didn't want to say it. Um, so, and Jamar just has this amazing heart for serving others and for, for just helping in the body of Christ. Um, like I said, loved my conversation I got to have with him recently. And so I was super excited when Steve said that, during his sabbatical, Jamar would be bringing our word. So can we just extend our hands and pray over Jamar really quickly? Do you all mind? Okay. God, we just thank you so much for Jamar. We thank you for his willingness to be here and to bring your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would embody him, that his words would be your words. God, we all came with a need of some kind in our hearts. We pray that you'd use Jamar as the vessel to fill that need, God, that he would be a conduit from you to us. And we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, hey guys, how you guys doing? Doing good? Um, <clears throat> wow, this is exciting. Um, you're probably, again, just wondering who is this guy. Um, hopefully over the next coming weeks you'll be able to, I'll be able to share my story more and more, but I'm just so glad to be here. I'm honored to be a part of Vintage, and um, I hope I get to see more of you and to hear more of your story. Um, but um, I'm going to first start off. You all got an envelope when you first came in, right? Do not open it. Do not open it. There will be a moment where we can open it together, and it will be an amazing experience. Um, don't try to peek through it. I got the security envelope, so good try. Um, but at the end, we'll open it together, and we'll experience it. Um, but, and also just want to thank just Pastor Steve for allowing me to speak. Um, I don't take this lightly. And so I just want to honor Pastor Steve and just allow me to be here. And obviously he's watching. Have fun. And we will see you when you get back. Um, so if you guys haven't been here for the past few weeks, we've been going through the book of Acts. And it's been really fun to kind of see where the church kind of came together and the, the, the beginning of community. And for the past, like last week, we had an amazing pastor come and went through uh, Acts chapter 4. And that was very beautiful. And today we're going to dive a little bit more further into what this looks like for us and how we can make this a little more applicable to us. And so community to them during that time was such an important thing in how they did life. People were coming from left and right to join this movement, and it was so amazing to see how community came together. And I think we get to see a blueprint of what this looks like. I was... Um, as you guys know, like, we all have social media, and it's like we think it's connecting us together, but actually we're so separated more than ever. And 
I saw this recent um, report, Gallup report, that says that over 300 million people globally don't have a single friend. And one in five don't have friends or family they can count on when needed. I don't know about you, but like that just, that hurts. That there are people who don't have a single friend. Um, I don't know about you, but I know for a fact that I've been there. Um, I've been there. I've been in that space where I didn't have friends um, or have people to rely on. Even coming from L.A. to here, it was kind of tough because I had so much life in L.A. Um, and then coming here and starting over, especially when you're like in your late 30s, like it's a little bit tough. And so I kind of I, I, I get that. And I, I know how it feels to be alone. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's people who are in here right now who have experienced that at one point in their lives. Or maybe you are experiencing that right now. Just because you're surrounded by people doesn't mean that you're actually seen. And so um, we're going to be diving into this, what this looks like for us, for community. But this, this, this is the cool part. I think this is why the church is so important. I think this is why community is so important. Because we get to be this weapon against loneliness. We get to be this weapon against people who feel like they can't find any friends. And so this is why I think it is so important about the church and what's so important about us coming together as a community. Now, is there any coffee snobs in the house? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yes. Okay, cool. I am not alone. So my in-laws, they just got a coffee machine. And it is an espresso machine, and it's amazing. And I've been getting into it. Like, I'm now, like, addicted. So I love getting, like, good coffee beans and then putting it into the machine and then weighing it before I do that and then getting the little tool that kind of, like, you know, makes sure the coffee grinds are even the porter filter and then getting the level and then leveling it out and then getting the tamper and then tamping it and then putting the metal, metal puck on top of it so you put it into the espresso and then weighing it 30 to 35 seconds for about 35 grams for a double shot. Like, that's how detailed I am when it comes to coffee. And when we first started at first, it was just kind of like, it wasn't the greatest. It was like so bitter, or it was too watery, and we just couldn't figure it out. So we would go, and we would go and get all the tools. We would get the fancy tools and the nice wooden tools and all that other jazz, and it still wouldn't come out good. And then I went on YouTube, and then we saw this one video, and I figured it out. There's one guy on YouTube who said, you can have all the tools in the world, but if you don't have good roasted beans, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you tamp. It doesn't matter how good your tools are. It doesn't matter. If you don't have good roasted beans, it all starts with the beans, then nothing else matters. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to church. I think it's the same thing when it comes to community. There are two things that are important if we're going to do this thing called community, if we're going to do this thing called church. It's the Holy Spirit and one heart and one mind. If you don't have that first ingredient, it doesn't matter how good the pastor is, doesn't matter how good the worship is, doesn't matter how good the, 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 the kids' programming is, if you don't have the Holy Spirit and if you're not one heart and one mind, it throws everything off. And so everything else that I'm going to say today is through the filter of the Holy Spirit and the one heart and one mind. See, Pastor Steve, a couple weeks ago, started the whole conversation about the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to let you go back and watch that video and let him explain that. But I love how he said everything hinges on the Holy Spirit. Everything's important on the Holy Spirit. This won't work without the Holy Spirit. It won't sustain without the Holy Spirit. It is the first ingredient and it is the foundation. But the other part of that is the one heart and one mind. 
The other day, Kenzie and I, my wife, by the way, I have married. That's my wife, Kenzie. And we were just praying and just kind of like doing our Bible study kind of thing. And um, we were just kind of like, hey, we're married. Yes, we're one. But we were just kind of like, God, what do you want for us? Like, what is the purpose that you want, like, the King family to do here on earth? How can we be a light and a voice of hope for you? And so here we are praying, and we're asking God, and it was kind of cool because we were like one heart and one mind. We were coming together. And again, yes, we're married. We are one. But it was something about being super intentional with our purpose and with our intention going, God, where do you want us to go? What does this look like for our family? And so we started praying for that. And then we started praying for our in-laws because they've been so beautiful and so great for us and providing a home for us. So we said, God, can you just bless them? Can you just bless them because they're just so amazing? The next day, they do get a, a check. They got money for them and then money for the nonprofit organization. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's a coincidence that that, that happened. When you are one heart and we are one mind, watch what God does through you, not only just for you, but for people around you. So I just want to make sure that we start off, before we begin, everything is contingent on the Holy Spirit and one heart and one mind. You guys ready? Let's do this. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now, um, this is the, uh, the beginning of the chapter, um, uh, Peter uh, Peter and John were coming together, and they were preaching, and 5,000 people came. And uh, it's a beautiful chapter. Please go back and read it. But we're going to be picking up in verse 32. And it's the NLT, and I think, I, I think they have it on the, on the stage. And so here it is. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. For instance, there was a Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. See, here is the, the start of being in community. This was the start of what it looked like coming together and being the church. And I want to make sure that I illustrate this too. This isn't me coming like, oh, on my high horse, let me tell you what you need to do. This is also an invitation for me. So whether you've been here for years or you've been here for a couple months and this is your first time, let's all step into this and what it looks like to be the church, to be community. And so if we're going to do this, if we're going to be the community, the church, we need to learn how to give to those in need. In verse 32, no one claimed that any of their possession was their own, but they shared everything they had. I've got a two-year-old daughter, and if you have kids, you know what that means. She is in this phase right now where everything is mine. Everything is mine, and what's yours is mine. And she has a cousin that comes over, and it's like, it's like thing one and thing two from Dr. Seuss. Like They just come in and just wreck the entire house. But these girls... They could be playing with one toy. One kid has one toy, and it doesn't matter if there's brand new toys. It doesn't matter if there's a pile of money. They want the toy that's in the other person's hand. Like they want that one. I want that one. I mean, they'll sit there and go, look what I got. Look what I got. This is what I've got. And it's just so funny. And I'm like, wow, how do we get there? Like, as far as kids, what is it about you wanting to go, I want this. This is mine. And not only that, you begin to look at other people and going, well, I want what you have. 
And I thought that was really interesting. So I went online and did some, some research. And I saw that toddlers link value and ownership because in their minds, what's mine must be more valuable because I own it. I think it's funny. I think I find it very funny that this was the beginning of the church. Here was the church in its infancy stage. And it was almost as if God knew that they needed to learn what it looked like to give to those in need. What it looked like to share. Life is pretty much about things when you're under the age of 10. And so I think it's funny here where God was trying to elevate the conversation. So many people were coming from all over and they were coming into this new movement of what it looked like to be in community. I can only imagine people were only grasping, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. But here God and the Holy Spirit was going, no, 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 no. If we're going to do this, if we're going to do this movement, it's got to be about people. It was like God knew that they needed to learn how to share. They needed to learn how to give. We're teaching wonder how to see the child and not the toy. And I think we all need to learn how to see the child and not the toy. We all need to learn how to see the other person and not just the prestige, the title, the money, whatever the thing that you hold on to that you think is valuable. And I feel like God is saying, hey, don't stress about those things. I've got that. Don't stress about all the wants. I'll take care of that. And I feel like what God is saying, let go of the things and start pulling people into your life. Start giving to those who are in need. I was working at a church in L.A., and we had this one guy that came, and he was amazing, amazing volunteer. And uh, he was working on the new L.A. stadium at the time. And just a great guy with just hands. He's just really good with his hands. And he would come and help out the church whenever he could. Him and his wife, they had one car, and he would take the bus and sometimes figure out ways to get to Mosaic whenever he could. And uh, there was a moment where I just felt like God was like, you need to give him your car. Give him your car. Now, at the time, I had a motorcycle, and uh, the only reason why I had a car was because the 10 days out of the year L.A. would rain, I would have a car. And so whenever I had this moment where God was like, hey, I need you to give this car, I was like, okay, cool, I'll do it. I feel like in that moment, God was saying, hey, I need you to let go of the things that you think is valuable, and I need you to look at people. I need you to start bringing people into your life. Let go of the things and start pulling people into your life. If we're going to be in community, if we're going to do this thing called church, imagine what it would look like if we begin to drop the things that are in front of us, drop the things that we think is valuable, and begin to give to those in need and look for people. In verse 33, it says, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Now, this is really, really cool. If you want to throw the verse up there, uh, this is really interesting. Okay, cool. Then never mind. So if you have your Bible, um, I thought it was really interesting. This is not like a theological point of view, but I thought it was really interesting. The verse before is about the... the, the uh, the giving, right? Let me go back to it. So it says here, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Then you have the apostles, right? And the next verse after that is, there was no needy people among them because those who owned land and house would sell them. I thought it was interesting that you could easily take out that verse 33, and it would make sense, right? They were all united in heart and mind. They shared. They gave to people in need, yada, 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 right? I thought it was really interesting, That here, right in the middle, surrounded by sharing and giving, was this verse. The apostles testified powerfully 
to the resurrection of Jesus. And the reason why I say that is because you can give, you can give, and you can sell, and you can sell. And that's amazing. That's beautiful. But if it doesn't, isn't centered around sharing the gospel, it means nothing. But you need to make sure that you are sharing what God has done in your life. So if we're going to do this thing, right, be a community called the church, we've got to share the gospel. This can't be something that you keep for yourself. Again, I was serving in Mosaic, and at the very end, we had people coming out. And there was this girl that just ran past me. And I was just kind of like, okay. And I felt like in that moment, God was like, go talk to her. Now, at the time, I was single. And so I was just kind of like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's a little weird. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, hey, hey, So I was church. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. And so, but I was like, no, it's fine. And I felt like God was like, no, you need to go, go get her. So I ran after her and I just said, hey, how are you? How are you doing? I could tell in that moment that she was like crying. And she was just like bawling. And um, I was just kind of like, hey, let's, let's talk. What's, what's going on? And she goes on to say that she has been, you know, she's in the entertainment industry. She's been doing drugs for a while. Um, her parents don't know. Her family don't know. Nobody knows. And she said that in, while she was at church, she felt like the pastor was speaking directly to her. Um, and so um, I was like, okay, cool. Obviously, you're having a moment, and God is speaking to you right now. And so I just said, hey, hang tight. I grabbed one of my friends. He was also a drug addict and got recovered and came through. I said, hey, can we pray for her? We prayed for her, told her about who Jesus is, told her about what God can do in her life. And we um, said, hey, you're going to find friends, and you're going to find community. And um, she sent me this text um, a year uh, a few months later, and she goes, hey, Jamar, I hope you're doing well. I just wanted to check on how I can pray for you. Today is my one-year sobriety. Sorry, a year later. A year ago, you literally changed my entire life by chasing after me in the parking lot to ask if I was okay. You guys said my life would change, and I find my people in OMG. I cannot comprehend how much my life has changed. My life is so full. I truly feel like God came through so many people that day, including you. Then another year later, hey, Jamar, I'm almost two years sober now with my life beyond my wildest dreams because you stopped me in my tracks and changed the narrative for me asking how I was doing and allowed space for God to step in. I cannot put into words how grateful I am for your service and action. It completely changed my life. It continues to amaze me that you promised came true. The moment that meant the world, and I, I remember feeling such shame to even admit to anyone my truth or where I was, especially at a church like Mosaic that seemed so full of perfect people and was so shocked to have the response to my truth be, we're going to get you plugged in with some girls and good friends rather than being pushed out. I now lead a woman's Bible group. Um, she says, thank you doesn't cover the immense gratitude I have for you changing the course of my life. You legit ran and stopped me to change the direction of my life. It's crazy how cool God works. Two years sober, forever grateful. Three years sober today. So grateful for the impact, your intention, priority, and people completely transformed my life. I wouldn't be here without you redirecting my life, instilling hope and faith. She now sends me a text every single year that she has been sober, and I keep telling her, don't stop. Please text me. 
Like, I, you don't ever feel like you're annoying me. I want to hear these texts. I want to see these texts. The reason why I'm saying that is because there are people that are waiting to hear the gospel. There are people within your life that are waiting to hear what God has done in your life. There are rooms that are waiting for you to occupy so that you can share what God has done in your life. There are rooms waiting for you, not for me, not for this person, not for that person, for you specifically. I can only imagine what are the people in our lives, in our sphere of influence, that are waiting to hear the gospel, waiting to hear the good news, waiting to hear the power of Jesus in your life, and not only that, how God can change their life. If we're going to do this thing called church, if we're going to do this thing community, right, not only do we need to learn how to give to those in need, but we've got to make sure that we share the gospel. You've got to share what's going on in your life. You've got to be open up and share, hey, listen, let me tell you about this person named Jesus and how he changed my life. There are, it just gets me excited. There are people waiting to hear your voice. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be a pastor. I remember last week the pastor talked about how a seven-year-old, a seven-year-old told another kid about Jesus, and that convicted me. If a seven-year-old can tell people about Jesus, like, what am, who am, why can't I open my mouth? Why can't I be unashamed about what God has done in my life? If we're going to do this thing called church, if we're going to do this thing called community, we've got to share the gospel. But not only that, you've got to be the example. In verse, uh, I think it's kind of 34, there was no needy people among them. Because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostle to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles named Barnabas. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field and owned. He he sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, during this time, reciprocity was like a big thing, right? If if I did something for you, I expect something back in return. If I helped you, um, I expect something back in return. Right? If, if, if I gave you something, I'm going to come back and go, hey, remember that moment I gave you something? I'm expecting something back in return. And so some people will actually do it just to make you in debt to them, which is kind of crazy. Because there was really no like, financial system or anything else that was kind of like making sure that, hey, you got what you, what you, what you deserve. And so what they did was, hey, I did something for you. I expect something back in return, which is where that whole thing, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth kind of comes from, right? It just evens things out. But see, here is what God was doing. He was raising the bar on what it meant to be together. He was raising the bar on what it looked like when you start moving into generosity and giving. He was teaching them how to learn how it means to, to give and not expect anything back in return. I think in one translation it says that they laid what they had. They laid what they sold at the apostles' feet. And I think that's such a beautiful posture. That here they were, they had something that they owned, and they laid it down. Because I always think of a transaction is like the emoji of like the two hands, like, okay, we made a deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, boom, we did it. And here is a moment where they laid it at the apostles' feet as if they weren't expecting to pick it back up. What are the things in your life that God has given you that you need to lay at the apostles' feet? You need to lay at the church and not expect to pick it back up. Because culture just tells you, hey, I gave you this. I want something back in return. But here was God again, raising the bar on what it meant to be in community, raising the bar on what it meant to be generous. 
and to show what it looks like to give, right? If we're not careful, we can do the same thing with our offerings. I did that. I was very much, okay, God, I gave. Now I'm expecting that random suitcase of money on the sidewalk to help me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would always do that. But see, when you step into community, when you step into a space like this, like church, he begins to move and elevate you to go, no, 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 I'm going to posture you to learn how to give, right? There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It's not up there. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, God was going, hey, listen, I need you to give. Don't stress about everything else. I've got that covered. I need you to learn how to be generous. Don't worry about everything else. I got that covered. And this last part I thought was really, really interesting. It's just Barnabas' part. And I was just kind of like, this is really interesting. Here you have this whole thing about people coming together and everyone coming together. In Acts chapter 2, it's the same thing too. People came together, devoted to the apostles' teaching. They gave, they sacrificed, and God added to the number daily, right? And here at the very end of this verse is this one guy named Barnabas. And it's like, okay, like why this one person? Like what is about this one person? And not only is he one of the most important people that helped spread the gospel in the very beginning, but I started thinking and I was like, Maybe this is a moment. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to be able to go, hey, maybe this is where I get to be the example. Maybe this is a moment where I get to see myself and go, cool, how can I contribute? How can I be a part of this? And so um, the envelope that you have, pull that bad boy out. And on the count of three, I want us to go ahead and I want us to open it together. Because I think that this is a great opportunity for us to pause and just go, okay, cool then. Like, how can we be a part of this? How can I actually put some skin in the game? Don't open it yet. On the count of three, I'll open it. We'll open it. And so what we'll do is we'll open it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So one, two. Now, wait a minute. I want to make sure that you guys are very aware. I want to put my email up here. I don't know if they have it or not, but I will. Perfect. Um, when, when we open it, I want to hear some stories. So if you can email me, take a picture of that and email me, that'd be great. Because I want to hear just what happens from this. Because um, I think it'd be really beautiful and kind of awesome to hear uh, the stories from you guys. So you guys ready? Cool. One, two, now, let's, let's pray. I think we should pray before we begin and before we start opening. No, go ahead. One, two, three, go. Open it up. And for those of you who did not get it, what they're opening up is a $2 bill. Now, you're probably going, what the heck? This is like 50 cents right now, like an inflation. It's like it's nothing. I know. The reason why – oh, well, first off, let me say this. When I was – Telling Pastor Steve about this, I was like, hey, I have this cool idea. It would be really cool to give people, you know, this $2 bill and yada, yada, yada. And <laughs> Pastor Steve is so cool. He was like, yeah, um, uh, yeah, man, you know, just give me the receipt. And I'm like, no, 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 we want to do this. No, no, like Kenzie and I want to do this. We wanted this ourselves. Um, and so um, – I want to let you guys know that's not for me to, like, flex. Again, we're living in the basement of our in-laws, so that's not, like, a flexing moment. But, again, the reason why I'm saying this is because 
we get an opportunity to be the example. And you can't lead people where you haven't been yourself. So this is on behalf of Kenzie and I, and we want to give this to you guys. But the reason why I am giving you a $2 bill, because I actually want this to be the flint. I want this to be the spark, right? Let's, it's, it's beautiful that we come on Sundays and we worship and we hear, but like, how can we make this applicable in our lives? How can we take this and actually go out into the world and actually be a light and a voice of hope for people? So this $2 bill, what I want you to do is I want you to keep it. It can't be for yourself. And I want you to start praying, God, who do you want me to give this to? Now, again, it's $2. It's not going to change nobody's life. But it could definitely be the conversation starter for something else. The only thing is you've got to tell them about what you're doing. Don't be shy about it. Don't be like, oh, here you go, and then walk away. Just be like, hey, I'm a part of a church called Vintage. We're doing a thing right now in the book of Acts. And we're just talking what it means to be a community. And I just felt like this is something that you need to do. This is for you. I feel like someone tell you, like, God loves you. He sees you. And I would love to invite you to come to church on Sunday, and I'll save you a seat. Simple, right? You don't have to be a pastor to do this, right? If you're not sure, and if you're just kind of like, I don't know, I'm nervous, here's the best advice I tell people. Just listen to their story. Just listen. You'd be surprised how God has left fingerprints and breadcrumbs in people's lives. He's waiting for people like you and I to be able to see them. And point them to who Jesus is. So this $2 bill is just the beginning. It's just the start. And so what I want you to do is when you do and you have a cool story, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, that's okay, email me. And if I'm ever allowed to come back and speak, I'll give you another, I'll give you an update, and it'll be really cool to see the cool stories. I remember telling, uh, uh, I was at the bank, by the way, the bank can come up, by the way, um, you just can't go to the bank and get $2 bills. you got to order it. Kind of crazy. Um, but it was really cool, though, because I called the bank, and I was like, hey, I want to do this thing, whatever. And the girl who answered the phone, her name was Charity. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is meant to be. This is, this is meant to be. And so I go to the bank, and Charity is there. And I'm like, what's up, Charity? And, um, and then the other girl was there. Her name was, uh, I think, like Casey Brown. My name is Jamar Brown King. And I'm like, okay, God, you're doing something here. This is awesome. Um, and so I invited them to come to Vintage. And um, I don't know if they're here. I don't know if they, if they came. But um, I was like, God, I want to be, be good at being uncomfortable. I want to be good at uncomfortable inviting people to Jesus and inviting people to church. So hopefully this $2 bill is just going to help you and help you do that. So um, that's what I have for this morning. We're going to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and um, have a moment of ministry time. Cool? Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much. Thank you for this beautiful uh, Sunday morning. Man, what a privilege that we get to come together. We get to do this. Like, that just blows my mind that we get to come together and we get to hear your voice. We get to worship. We get to do this thing called community. So, God, I pray that we would not take Sunday mornings lightly, that we would be able to, that we would come on Sunday mornings expectant to hear from you, expecting to engage in community. God, I pray that this week that we would be the church, we would give to those in need, that we would share the gospel for those around in our lives. Not only that, we would be an example of what it looks like to be in a relationship with you. So God, we're just so thankful that we get to do this. Thank you for allowing us to be your ambassadors. How crazy you are bad at marketing. But you have chosen us, and we're so thankful for that. So we thank you again, God, for this space and this moment, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and um, let's worship.
or ministry time. Ministry time. We're now going to step into a moment of ministry time. And so um, we're going to have a moment where the band's going to come up and they're going to continue worshiping. We're going to have some of our teams up here who can pray for you. Um, there's also going to be communion here, so you can do that too. And so um, we're going to go ahead and step into that, and we will um, see you guys soon.